podcasting from a radioactive bunker deep inside the bracket compound. This is Show Spoilers, episode 21, Westworld, season 2, episode 9. I'm Kevin Brackett, and joined as always is my co-host Brad Hyen. Hey, Brad. Hey, Kevin. I am excited once again to talk about another fascinating episode of Westworld. Uh, you know, if you listen oh to the episode for a couple shows ago, you know I wasn't too on board with some of the writing and decisions they made. But Kixoya, the last episode was incredible, one of my favorites. And this episode again, there's so much in here. There's so much emotion. We have some big reveals, some big deaths. I uh, cannot wait to get into it. Yeah, what a great weekend to air this episode, too. Being a, a Father's Day weekend with uh, the events that happened in this was just... Oh. Yeah, we, we got to get into that. Happy Father's Day. Happy belated <laughs> Father's Day for everyone listening. And what a Father's Day it was for Westworld. But before we get into that too much, uh, some shameless plugs. Uh, of course, we would love for you to subscribe to the show. If you're listening to this online, go ahead and check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, rate and review us. That helps spread the word, and we do appreciate it. Follow us, the show, on Twitter at all the spoilers, And uh, you can email us your theories, your questions, corrections, whatever you want at the show spoilers at gmail.com again the show spoilers at gmail.com and uh, join the facebook community our sister podcast real spoilers has a discussion group that you can join and we talk about much more than movies including westworld mr robot television uh, you name it news events so you can join that discussion uh, at facebook.com slash real spoilers and join the league of show shares everyone's doing it brad did it so i mean why wouldn't you yeah, they accepted me, so uh, I think the uh, bar for entry is very low. <laughs> you have to get through Tom. That's the you know Tom who's on the the Real Spoilers podcast, and he's been there. I think he's been on mo- more shows than anybody because uh, he's it. Well, it's at his house now, so it's hard not to. But I think uh, you know Joe's missed a few here and there, but Tom has never missed one episode. That's three hundred and eighty-eight episodes strong. So pretty impressive. Yeah. Good job, Tom. So without further ado, Westworld, episode nine of season two, titled Vanishing Point. Before we get into the episode, Vanishing Point, what do you any uh, theories on what that title means? Uh, I, I think uh, at the end of the episode, it was uh, alluding to the man in black's uh, mental state. Yeah, I definitely could see that. Uh, getting into this one, this is a Man in Black slash William centric episode, uh, which I know, Brad, you're a fan of. I love the the William and Man in Black stuff. And uh, this episode takes us back into his past, uh, b- before his wife, Juliet, was dead, uh, when he did have a relationship with his daughter, and they seemed pretty close. It kind of shows you how things went downhill and uh, what happened with the wife exactly. We know she committed suicide, but it shows us what pushed her over the edge. And, uh, you know, we learn about uh, the daughter and uh, some of her feelings about good old William. So uh, it starts off with William talking. He's narrating the scene and uh, he says, this thing in me, even I didn't see it at first. And then one day it was there, a stain. And we don't know who he's talking to yet. It does reveal itself later on. But Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, we're not exactly sure if, if, you know, you think, is he talking to Emily? Uh, You know, is he talking to his wife? Uh, And come to find out later on, you know, spoiler alert, that's what we do. But he's actually talking to his wife. And this is going to come into play almost at the end of the episode. But it's really intriguing because this whole series, and and especially in this season, we have people questioning William. And we know that his life outside of the park was one way, Uh, you know, family man and and all the, the fronts and the, you know, philanthropy and everything he was putting on that front. 
And then inside of the park, he's this, he's this man in black. That's why we refer to them as two different characters. A lot of times it's William and man in black and, and uh, the man in black character is cruel and violent and he's a killer. And, and uh, you know, he's really transformed throughout this season, but uh, you know, he was pretty much the big bad of the first season. So it's been really interesting to follow him on this journey. Um, but the first scene after this narration is we go to a fundraiser. So it's this big event, black tie event, some sort of gala. And uh, you see him and his, and his tux uh, and his wife is there too. She's in a dress. And so obviously some kind of a, uh, uh, this is t- touching on his, uh, philanth- or his philanthropic side uh, that's been alluded to. Uh, and we're going to learn more about that. One of the really funny lines here to start off, which I thought was interesting. Uh, one of the other attendees of this gala says, uh, wasn't it what Plutarch said when Alexander saw the breadth of his domain? He wept, and there were norm- He wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. And William says that's a corruption, Jack. Plutarch didn't write that. He wrote that when Alexander was told there were an, an infinity of worlds, he wept for he had yet to become the lord of even one. This is funny for a couple different reasons, Brad. Yeah. Do you know that line that he misquoted? Do you know what that's from? Uh no i don't the misquote is from die hard hans gruber says that what so you did have hans, this did hans pull that from something else or was that like an original hans gruber line no 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 he pulled it from this old ancient text oh, okay. um, uh, from plutarch it is you know and, and obviously there's there have been lots of translations because it's so old but hans gruber pulled it but he misquoted it like hans's quote is not right it sounded badass for die hard but it's hilarious <laughs> you have this the 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 um you know, the funny part of it is, is you have this rich guy at this gala and he's trying to sound like he's smart, sure. but he's pulling a quote from Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, right. And so in Man in Black, we come to learn that William and his wife are, you know, both very literate. They, they are okay. readers, uh, you know, and, and uh, this other guy calls them bookworms at one point here, but we learn that they do know their stuff. And so William corrects him, but I just think it's funny for this rich guy to be at a gala and, and, and to sound smart. He's quoting Hans Gruber. Yeah, that, that that is funny knowing that in, in context now. I didn't really think anything of it at first, but yeah. um, I don't know if you're getting ready to go into the other part of why that line was uh, interesting or not. But I think the uh, the allusion to uh, to Alexander not having been able to conquer one world yet is a is a metaphor for for William as well with with his present day in Westworld. Would you think so? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is, that's the other side of it. That's interesting. I mean, clearly this show is very smart, very clever in its writing. And most of the things when they're referencing ancient text or, or, you know, lines like that, they, they do have a deeper meaning. And so clearly William is the one trying to conquer these worlds. And the real quote, like he said, was that Alexander wept because he hadn't conquered any yet. There are infinite worlds and he has yet to conquer one. And here is William, and clearly with Jim Delos, since William was much younger, uh, he he has been trying to to, to conquer, uh, being able to replace humans or to create these human uh, hybrids, these host hybrids in their consciousness. And he sees that as being able to conquer at least one world or, or part of this world, because then you know what what are what are the uses? The sky's the limit with what you could do with this technology. And he, and even further than that is his immortality, as Emily alludes to later in this episode, he wants to conquer the world. And one way you can do that is to become immortal, to, you know, never die and be able to have infinite time to do whatever it is that you want to do. So, yeah, I I think it's really interesting and and a great quote. Uh, But yeah, just a little trivia for you, a little diehard trivia there for you kids. 
yeah, that was really cool. So, uh, so this, uh, this guy though, this other guy here that uh, gets bested by William, he says, sometimes I forgot your humble roots. Only the poor kids actually read those books. The rich kids like me didn't have to. And again, him being kind of the smarmy uh, right. you know, rich guy that clearly saying, oh, I didn't read the books. And uh, But then Juliet, uh, William's wife, walks over and she says, I would rather excel in the knowledge of what is excellent than in the extent of my power and possessions. Also quoting Plutarch. And she says, "This that's from a rich kid who read. So we come to find out that uh, Juliet is well-read herself. And obviously uh, those things, uh, philosophy and those existential type of readings are important to her. Uh, so a little more insight about her. We, we don't know anything really about Juliet other than no, she was... All. You know, she was William's wife, Emily's mother, and she killed herself that we've seen in these little glimpses. But uh, yeah, this is a little more insight into her, her character. Um, later on, she's having a discussion with William and, you know, she says, congratulations. This is this is some kind of a fundraiser that clearly William is involved with. I'm guessing that Delos as a company was putting it on to raise funds for some kind of a cause. It doesn't matter. We don't really get too much clarity on that part but she's she says to him uh that this would confirm her father's suspicion that he was a marxist i almost wish he were here to see it which i thought was a really interesting line again because nobody knows what he's doing with jim delos and her saying i wish he were here to see it was was funny and william almost i feel like gives just a small tiny little look like you know i'm trying i'm trying a glimmer in his eye that if only you knew Right, exactly. I, you know, and, and uh, so I, I, again, the writing I think is so good. Uh, based on everything we've seen this season, there are just so many little lines like that. They're like wink, wink, not not in a bad way, like wink at the camera, but you know, to these characters who don't know what one another are doing. It's very interesting. Yeah. So uh, while they're still here, we see a woman pass by with a tray of drinks, and it's Dolores. And I, I, I had to like squint and rub my eyes for a second too. Yeah. Like, Wait a was that Dolores? <laughs> I rewound it, and it was. So right. William thinks he's seeing Dolores, and then the camera looks at him confused, and it flashes back, and it's clearly another woman. Uh, but he, for a second, it takes him like he's questioning his own mental status. So much so that he he starts poking around in his arm like he's looking for a, that port that that uh, Bernard and the text plug into when they're working on a host. Yeah, sure. Um, we we didn't really have any que- reason to question that it was her either because we've seen her being used as like a piano player and server right. at previous parties before at Jim Delos's retirement party. So you know, with what's about to come, you know, it w- that was more shocking than the fact that her, of her actually being there. Yeah, absolutely. So like, when I saw her at first, I just thought, geez, they really keep her around, like. At the retirement party, you're right, she was there, but that made sense. The park wasn't open. But then we know the park now. Obviously, she's been at the park for so long. And I thought, does does Jim have like this weird duplicate Dolores that like just works his parties? Like, I mean, like, would that be the ultimate like you know, like diss to her, like, Oh, you're just going to be this worker. That's, you know, whatever, either carrying drinks or cleaning up. Uh, but no, it was, it was William's vision. And, uh, um, but interesting though, that he's questioning his own humanity because at this point we, there's been no, I will say we've had some crazy theories. I even mentioned it last time. It would definitely be a tinfoil theory that William's a host, but it has come up throughout the season but we have no real evidence, and I don't believe anybody else in the series or even William himself has questioned whether or not William is human or a host. This is the first time I think anyone has ever drawn attention to it. Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, anyone meaning the viewers or anyone in the show? No, the, in the show. 
Yeah, I I don't think anybody in the show has has thought that at all. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 again, it's just been tinfoil theories, and you could point to a bunch of different little evidence here and there. But this was interesting to see actually the man himself go. Wait a second, you know, is this a glitch in my programming? If I'm not human, maybe I'm seeing this because of you know because of some kind of issue in my code. Um, but but it moves on uh, for now. We don't question it any longer. Um, but uh, we go back to present time. So just to keep up, because there are so many timelines, there are pretty much three main timelines. You have the past, which in this episode revolves around this gala and uh, the events around it. Then in present time, you have William, who has just been rescued by Emily from Ghost Nation in the last episode. And now she has him and we don't know what she's going to do with him yet. And then in the future would be uh, what we saw in the first episode. So that would be 11 and a half days after Ford's death. And, uh, you know, and that's what I'm guessing the last episode of the season is going to butt right up to. So this season was a full 10 episode arc. We question, is it the first five episodes to catch us up to what happened with all the bodies in the water? But this entire season, they, they showed us the beginning and end in that first episode, which it was interesting. Yeah. So uh, we're back to William and Emily, uh, present time. And uh, Man in Black is tied to a tree. So we'll refer to him as Man in Black here. He's made the full transformation. Um, But uh, he asks her... Uh, have you have you set a flare off? And she said, yes, I did. Uh, I did about 10 minutes ago. And so Will, Man in Black knows the response time. He knows somebody's going to be coming and looking for them soon. Uh, and Emily says, I know why you're here and why you don't want to leave. You're punishing yourself. You know, I ran from the pain too. And so what we get a lot of in this episode is we learn about these characters and their, their past with the wife with Juliet dying and uh, both of them clearly blaming themselves for different reasons. And uh, so I, I really liked this episode, how it was a more quiet episode. Again, we don't need a bunch of guns and a bunch of action, but right. the character development and, and especially getting that from Emily, who's been a pretty enigmatic character so far this season. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was really, uh, really nice spending a lot of time with her. We got, we got, decent amount of time with her uh throughout the season um here and there but uh, having a family centric episode uh really really helped flesh her out and i like her even more yeah i i hope we see a lot more of her soon uh, she's uh, probably going to be in a lot more episodes don't you think i uh, i hope so yeah we'll, we'll <laughs> when we get to that part uh, i'll go into i'll go into more but uh okay yeah <laughs> We'll see what ends up happening. Um, but so so it seems in this scene, which I thought was, at first I was taken aback because it seems that Emily is trying to form a relationship with her father. She says for a long time, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to think about it. And I blamed myself and she reassures him and says, you're not to blame. And so you, you think you're getting this really nice relationship building between the two of them, which the whole everything that we know as little as it was, was that Emily hates her father and I only want to find him to punish him. And, and uh, you know, this seemed like a really big change of heart, but we'll find out she does have a hidden agenda here. uh, That's not too far away. Um, But she mentions this. She says, do you remember on my 16th birthday when mom gave me a jewelry box? Uh, And then uh, she ends up telling the story about how she got mad at her mother because the jewelry box was, was of a dancer and, and Emily had not been a dancer for years but her mom had these substance abuse problems. And so she acted, you know, she was saying that the mother wasn't, 
you know, involved as much as she should have been and was careless and forgot about certain things. And so Emily says she threw away this jewelry box. Uh, and uh, afterwards, when she went back to go get it, because she felt guilty about it, that the trash had been empty and it was gone. And it was an interesting, interesting little thing to note there because we do see the jewelry box again. And it was something I questioned when I watched it the first time because I'm like, wait a minute, that's that's the jewelry box. Like, I thought that was gone. Um, yeah. But, but we find that's, out later. That's why I have some questions later um, as to, I guess I'll get into what, I mean, of course, not what happens, but I, I've always leaned this entire season that she was a human character. And I think that most would agree. I mean, I, I, I lean that way that she is, but there's still that vague after, after that pivotal scene in the middle of the episode, there's still a little bit of vagueness there as to whether or not uh, she is, because she says now she's never seen that jewelry box again, but right. at the at the time of that scene, clearly she has. So I don't know if she was programmed to, you know, with, with accurate memories at that time, and then later on found out that like, you know, the real Emily did find the jewelry box. So like, I don't know. I still have questions, but we'll, we'll cross that when we get to that, to that big moment of this episode. And that's why this show is so intriguing because you think one thing, you think they're telling you one thing and you accept it, but then you get these little clues and some people might not even connect those dots. And that's why we love discussing it and doing this podcast because maybe you didn't even see the jewelry box. Like you heard that story, you saw it later on and you just thought, okay, I mean, that's such an easy detail to write off if you're a yeah. casual viewer. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say anything against people like, oh, you didn't catch it. You're not a real fan. It's not that. But no. there's just so much going on in this show that a tiny detail like that could be overlooked. But that little detail could be, uh, and especially if you're into theories like we are, that little detail could be the difference between is a character a host or human. That's huge. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun, and we'll definitely talk about that at the end of the episode when we get there. For but she sure. she tells that story, but but she she then the point of it is she says that she pushed the mother away. Uh, she blames herself for her death ultimately because of the way that she pushed her mother away and the mean things she said and her actions. And so we're getting more insight, and we're thinking, oh wow, she's she's kind of forgiving William and 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 saying she blamed herself, and, and it sounds like she wants someone else to kind of either not necessarily share the burden with, but someone who understands her because they both blame themselves. Maybe they can get together and not blame anyone, you know, and, and feel better about the whole situation. Uh, sure. And plus they're the two family that they have left. So, I mean, Logan's gone, uh, you know, it's kind of like the last chance for them to, to be a family. So uh, we flash forward and Dolores and Teddy are riding through the desert. Uh, we know that their ultimate goal is to get to the, the valley beyond. And uh, mm-hmm. they, they left after uh, destroying uh, the, the uh, cradle. And so their next stop is to is the valley. And so they're, uh, mm-hmm. they run they run into one of the ghost nation. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but it looks like Wanaton that, uh, he is actually played by an actor that you would know. Um, his name is Martin Senmeyer, Senmeyer, but he was in The Magnificent Seven. I, I believe he was one of the main oh, characters really? in there. Yeah, which I did not realize at first, um, but I thought he was really good in that. Uh, it's that remake, the one with Chris Pratt. Sure. Uh, but he played Red Harvest in Magnificent Seven, uh, who was one of the seven. So I, I didn't realize that was him until now, but I thought he was really good in that. And so last episode we talked about, uh, he was kind of the second in command, uh, in ghost nation after Akacheta. And so this is, you know, the character actually gets some time on his own here, but he stops Dolores 
And I love that he calls her Deathbringer. Yeah, I knew you would this. too. I, I, I saw the episode before you did and I wanted yeah. to message you, but you, you were delayed in, in getting to watch it. But we made yeah. a we made a joke last episode about how we should just call Doris Deathbringer for the rest of the episode. And the very first time she's addressed in this episode, they call her Deathbringer and I about lost it. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. <laughs> so they did it for us. We don't even have to worry about it. Like she is the Deathbringer now that we've seen that episode. But he says, Deathbringer, we've been watching you as we know goes nation watches everybody your journey ends here the valley beyond is not meant for you and so dolores says no it was meant for the people who built this place it was it was a tool but uh she says i'm going to use this tool against them and uh wanatan says no the valley beyond is not a tool it's a door to a new world untouched by blood and so obviously ghost nation because of the teachings of akacheda and spreading the maze and and this whole following is based on the maze which leads to the door to another world and so this is very sacred to them and they're they're basically saying you will not get anywhere near it this is it's basically their religion and what's guiding all their actions and purposes so uh he says no i'm not gonna let you do this and uh you know it basically ends up saying like you either turn around or or it's going to be your life and uh, they they end up getting into a big fight. Uh, you see Ghost Nation all drawing their arrows. Uh, Teddy he just whips out his pistol as we've seen him. He's a crack shot now based on his new programming. He yep. starts mowing them down. Big fight ensues. Uh, and in the end, all of Ghost Nation is wiped out by Wyatt's army, except for Wanatun. Uh, he, he is left. And Dolores, at, at the very end of this fight, says to Teddy, go make sure that they're all dead. But when Teddy finds him, he just lets him walk away, kind of similar to with what he did with that confederado. Yeah. Uh, clearly, Teddy has has had enough of this, and he is just, no matter what Dolores says, it's like he's he's just sick of it. And so uh, this character Well, I think lives. it's the real Teddy that, that it's kind of, uh, or like what he's used to, like his old uh, uh, programming, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, kind, of, that's kind of seeping through? through. Yeah, like the way he looked at because like you would think that he would, uh, you know, just hit after his his live update or, you know, whatever, um, that, you know, he just go on. We've seen him in the last couple episodes just killing everything. And then um, he has that moment where it looks like he's battling with himself as to whether or not uh, he should go through with it. I wasn't sure exactly if that was just Teddy or if, if you know, there's clearly something is still left of Teddy's old programming. And yeah. um, I like to see him stand up to, to Dolores slash Wyatt, you know, because we've talked about it all season. Um, I mean, Wyatt is, is just terrible. I, I can't get on board as much as I loved and cared about Dolores for the first season. Uh, this Wyatt character is so unrelatable. And even though I do feel bad for the hosts and what they've been put through, I mean, I can sympathize somewhat, but, but she's just gone on such an extreme to the other end of trying to kill all humans now. And, and uh, you know, just, I, you know, I, I've really, she's been one of the weaker points and it's not Evan Rachel Wood. It's not the acting but the character of, you know, Dolores slash Wyatt has been one of the weaker points for me where, you know, I see a Maeve episode, I see a Bernard episode, clearly uh, Delos, William, Man in Black, love that stuff. But I get back to Wyatt and I just can't help but to be like, oh, you know, it's just, sure. you just kind of want to see her bested. So I liked seeing Teddy, you know, once again, uh, kind of uh, deny her here and, uh, you know, betray her. And so this is definitely going to come back into play uh, here at the end. But uh, we, we go back now to the, the chop shop and you've got Charlotte Hale, uh, the main tech role in there and uh, Maeve, who's still laid out on the uh, on the uh, surgery bed. And uh, you see Clementine in the next room 
uh, Roland is, is talking to Hale and telling her that he was able to copy uh, the, the special lines of Maid's code, the one that Lee was begging and pleading them to keep her alive for was because of her special code. Uh, and, and as we know now, they're basically just keeping her alive long enough to copy whatever it is that makes it work. And so they extract it here and they implant it into Clementine, which I was like, whoa, what? I, I did not see this coming. And <laughs> yes. what's I was, I was, it was weird seeing Clementine because it seemed like last episode, or if it wasn't the episode before, um, it was kind of like her swan song, you know, when she was lit up with, uh, you know, against all the rescuers. And, uh, here she is again, just standing up. And and of course, we know she's a host and they, they fix this stuff all the time. But I kind of got the feeling we weren't going to see her again the rest of the season. And here she is, is a pivotal part of the episode again. Right. And, and a pivotal part of what's, what's to come, which is, yeah, very surprising. But so we see they, they have, they fixed her up. And they've ended up putting her, they've, they've separated a bunch of hosts, uh, into one room and then Clementine in another. So it's the glass observation rooms and they're right next to one another, separated by glass wall. And, uh, Hale says, so this will work on any host in proximity to her. And Roland replies, yeah, I tailored her admin privileges to spread a simple executable payload. And, and we see these hosts start to come to life. And, and Clementine is now doing the, the thing that we've only seen Maeve do, which is this warging into other hosts and controlling them with their mind. And these hosts start to get up, but they start attacking one another. I, I at first thought, oh, they're just they're going to see if she can control them out on the battlefield. And I thought, oh, maybe they're going to fight for Delos, fight for Hale. Um, but it's this very violent uh, interaction where uh, the hosts are killing each other. And at the end, only one is left standing. And so we see what they are capable of under a, a host like now Clementine's control. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they end up doing. Uh, my my guess is that the the end game here is to get a whole bunch of hosts and go attack Wyatt and her army. Is that um, that could be the only showdown that we're yeah, going to get here? I, mean, I can't think of any other reason to do that other than to protect themselves. If they're going out full force, um, you know that's what it appears they're going to do. Yeah, so uh, this is definitely going to come into play next episode when we have our final showdown. And uh, I'm guessing now it would be interesting to go back. I didn't have time after watching this episode for a second time, but I wonder if you look in episode one and you see the bodies in the water. Of course, we see Teddy, but I wonder if you see some of these hosts maybe that were in this room. And so, I, I you know, it would be interesting to see who all ends up in the water at the end. Yeah, very well could be. Um, I, I do hope, to, hopefully next week I have the time. I, I really want to binge through season two again. If I have time, season one, which I don't know, but uh, at least all of season two before the finale on Sunday, just to kind of recap on everything and get the full, hopefully the full experience. It's going to yeah. be crazy. And I, and I think definitely the plan will be after next week's episode where we where we uh, go over the, the season finale, I think we'll do an episode recapping the season. And once we have a time to go back and watch it all, we can kind of pinpoint all the pivotal scenes and, and the ones especially that we didn't know what they meant back then. But sure. it'll be really interesting to discuss the entire season and all the twists and turns along the way. Yeah, that sounds fun. So Hale says, get word to Stubbs, have him mobilize his men, prepare her for release. So Clementine's going out there and yeah. she is now, I mean, she's the general of the host army that, De- that uh, Delos and, and QAs are getting together. It's kind of, um, it's kind of neat too, um, thinking about how, you know, she was always kind of like second to Maeve. And I guess while Maeve's out of commission, she's, she's basically Maeve now for all intents and purposes, right? Like 
Yeah. Well, and she took over. She was the madam, uh, you know, at the at the Mariposa at first yeah. and after after Maeve left. And now uh, Maeve's got all these abilities and they're taking them from her. And, uh, you know, because Maeve isn't easily controlled, but she has this amazing ability. So they figure, oh, we'll take the code and what makes her special, put it into a host that we have control over. Or, I mean, at least we think they do. I, we'll see how it ends up. But, yeah. uh, you know, and, and now, yeah, you're right. She's she's replaced Maeve once again. And uh, Roland, this tech, he says, what about the madam? And Hale says, if this works, we don't need her anymore. So it's it's starting to look pretty gloomy for Maeve. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. She's, she's torn apart. They haven't repaired her. Her neck's still wide open. She still has the wounds in her arm. And the um, makeup really, looks really good. I mean, for being yeah. so graphic. But like when they – we got some really good close-up shots of how, how she's kind of torn open. And I was impressed with how how well done it was. Absolutely. I was just going to say the same thing. Kudos to the, to the team that's in charge of effects. And it does look like they're doing quite a bit of practical as well. I know yeah. there are certainly enhancements with CG, but a lot of this stuff, uh, you can tell they've got some practical uh, parts to it, which makes it look very real. There's a physicality to it, a very disturbing type of physicality with like open wounds and everything. And yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Not just on morbid, but it really does look fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's these gaping wounds and she's cut almost in half or whatever. Her neck's hanging open. It's yeah, so great. Of skin just rolled over. Yeah. yeah. I know it's, uh, it, it, and so, uh, yeah, you know, note to the listeners, I'm not a sicko or anything. I just really <laughs> like practical effects. <laughs> so, uh, moving, uh, Bernard now, uh, is, is kind of been lurking in the background. I'm, I'm surprised they haven't like locked up Bernard. Uh, it is a little surprising to me that he is still able to roam about, um, you know, after they found him and found a whole warehouse full of Bernards, uh, did I miss something or did he escape at some point or are they really just letting him kind of just hang out? I don't know. I didn't really think about it, to be honest. I remember the last time we saw them all together uh, with Bernard that uh, she was interrogating him. And then uh, I guess she got what he wanted or she got what she wanted from him and didn't deem him a threat, maybe. Right, like I mean, knowing that he's been a, he's been a, uh, you know, an employee for all intents and purposes, you know, for all of the entirety of working for Ford, and never been um, dangerous. But I guess in, I don't know, in the event that you know all the hosts are rebelling, you would be, I think, you'd be very cautious with even you know Bernard knowing now that he was a host the whole time. Hey. And especially Ford's right-hand man, Ford, who caused yeah. all of this. Right. Right. I mean, so that's interesting. I, I, I would like to revisit that. And maybe there's some insight, uh, you know, maybe if, if you have theories or, or questions, is this something I'm overlooking or is this a, a pothole? Um, because his actions are going to be pretty uh, important. And especially we know he says he causes the death of all these hosts way back in the first episode. And that's going to come up next time. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, just not paying attention to him. If he is the one that's going to cause all these events, it's like, Oh, I don't know. I hope there's a little bit better motivation behind it. Sure. But, uh, uh, but Ford is still in, in Bernard's head and he talks to him and says that, you know, I warned you about trusting these humans. They'd rather the hosts were destroyed than free. And of course, Bernard is a host. So, you know, he's trying to get, to get Bernard to understand and side with him to, to rebel against these humans. And uh, uh, Bernard wants to go get Elsie, but Ford says there's one last thing he has to do before they go. Um, but we, we cut back to man in black and he's questioning Emily. He, he, he's, he thought she was a host episodes ago and he still is in that 
train of thought. And he says, how would you have found me? You know, it could take, you, people can travel this park for weeks and never run into one another. How on earth did you do that? And so she clearly sees his skepticism and, and is aware that, that he doesn't trust her. And uh, Man in Black says that, that he doesn't believe in fate. And then Emily retorts, well, what about accidents? And uh, tells him that, uh, you know, that's, that's something that he hasn't been able to avoid, uh, you know, and, and, uh, even even uh, in his little project to find immortality, uh, which which kind of you know perks up William. He doesn't know that that Emily is aware at all of this project he's been working on, right. and uh, she tells us that Logan used to talk about it. And of course, Logan uh, was this addict, and people you know we saw him last episode mumbling, uh, you know, seeming to be crazed from the sun and the desert, and so. Clearly, Logan has been trying to tell people about William the entire time after he got back from the park. And we've wondered far back even, like, how how did William take control? Like, like no one believed Logan? Like, I guess they just thought he wasn't, uh, you know, reputable or that, you know, he's this party guy and, and you can't believe what he says. But it just goes to show you that clearly Logan preached for years and years about all this stuff and no one believed him. And, uh, and well, he, so, he was also big. He got big into drugs after this whole ordeal being lost in the desert and stuff. Well, so I bet yeah. maybe that played a, pa- uh, a factor in, in the fact that nobody took him seriously as well. You're just, you're high all the time. You think, you know, and they have their perspective of William and now they have this new perspective of Logan too, how he was kind of a, you know, we saw him in, in the first season, how much of a pain in the ass he could be. And, sure. and uh, you know, what William was pretty straight laced and, you know, he got under, we saw in episode four or episode two or one of the first few episodes of the season where, you know, he got under Jim's wing pretty quickly in regards to how, how great of an investment this would be. So, um, I think I think William played all his cards right to get to where he was, and and Logan, you know, he's he he effectively screwed over Logan, and then Logan just did everything wrong in uh, retaliation sure. to to try to recoup from it. Yeah, it makes sense though, because from Jim Dellis's perspective, not only I mean, not only is it an age thing, like he's getting older and he wants someone to take over the company, and he obviously wouldn't trust Logan with with his past and troubles, but. But we know that Jim Dallas was dying. He was yeah. he was sick, and he only had a certain amount to live. So, like, it's not like he has ten or fifteen years. Let's see if we can get Logan help. Let's see if he'll grow up. Can he turn it around? Jim Dallas is thinking, my company, if it if it falls into his hands, it's over once I die. And so he really was forced to go to to William. Yeah. And and like you said, William played the game. He manipulated him. He played his cards right. And and uh, you know, it was just a matter of not enough time. And you know, are you going to choose Logan or William? And it's I think it's an easy choice. Yep. So uh, Man in Black asks, ends up asking Emily, what is your angle? You know, what are you doing? Why are you here? I know you, you know, our relationship has been rocky and I, he, he doesn't sense that she's true in the trying to, you know, get this daddy daughter relationship back together. And we find the answer. She's straight up. She says it. I want in. And so here it is. We learned that the, her hidden agenda this whole time, why is she trying to find her father? Why is she saving him? And, and, uh, and, and she wants to team up with him and be a part of this project. Uh, at least that's what we're led to believe. She wants to, uh, you know, she wants to be a part of this immortality and, and uh, live forever and all that. And so uh, we'll get back to that in just a minute, but we flash back to that gala from the beginning of the episode. Um, Emily is, is there now. And she says that she'll take the mother home. William ends up saying, no, I'm, we're going to leave soon. Just give me a second. And then uh, come have a drink with me at home when we get back. Uh, so he goes to the bar 
And there's old Ford sitting there uh, in his black tie. And uh, he says, congratulations, William. Philanthropy suits you. After all, you come from humble beginnings yourself. So again, another kind of jab at, at William's beginnings. The guy in the beginning talked about, uh, you know, how, how people with means didn't read those books. And here we have Ford, who obviously is very well read, very uh, philosophical. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's his definition. Uh, and so he talks about his humble beginnings. And I just really like this line. William says, what's Oz doing without its wizard? Yeah, that was a great that line. That was great. Um, but yeah, Ford basically says he's at this fundraising event to pay his respects. And, uh, he, he tells William that he's accomplished extraordinary things. You can ask anybody in the room. And then he says, even those who don't know about your little project. So again, uh, you know, we're getting more and more about this project, which is clearly the whole Jim Delos experiment and consciousness. And, uh, William says, come on, Robert, you've had plenty of feelings about me over the years. Respect isn't one of them. We have an agreement. Delos stays out of your stories. I stay out of the valley. Or sorry, Delos stays out of your stories. You stay out of the valley. Yeah. So again, here's this valley, uh, which is you know the nickname. It's what Dolores is trying to find. Uh, you know, so so we so we're really getting more clarity here that the valley is the project where this human consciousness thing is taking place. Uh, so Ford says, I didn't break the agreement. Your project did. When was the last time you took a good look at your creation at what is being learned about its subjects? It was self-knowledge that drew you to the park in the first place. Be careful what you wish for, for a self-portrait. You may find it's not very flattering. Uh, you know, damn, I, I, I include a lot of these quotes from Ford, but they're so good. Yeah. And they're like, that's, they're, they're deep. Like <laughs> they are. It's so odd. I mean, he speaks in, he speaks poetically. Ford is always so philosophical and just the, the writing for Ford's so good. Yeah. And of course, Sir Anthony Hopkins is an amazing actor, one of the best of all time. And so when you put these two together, this writing and, and uh, Anthony Hopkins, it's amazing. Yeah. And so I love, I love that line again, telling William to look inward, look at yourself. This whole episode is about going back to William's past and William questioning himself, his relationships, his reality. Uh, and so, yeah, exactly, and especially his reality uh, and and his sanity too. Talking about our yeah. uh, title discussion, vanishing point. So um, Williams had enough of this. He says, "Enough games, Robert. Good night." And as he walks away, Ford says, "No, William. I think perhaps one final game." What do you think about <laughs> characters who just say things out loud like that? <laughs> you know, like I thought about it because it was a bad, it was a badass line. And of course, like you said, Anthony Hopkins delivering it, it, it worked for right. its purpose. But when I thought to this my, is so sinister, I thought to myself <laughs> as like like there's nobody there to hear him say that. And if I was to think <laughs> that, you know, like if I was in his shoes and I was thinking that, I wouldn't say that out loud to myself in the bar as he's walking away. It, it, it was just one of those things. I was like. Ugh. It was badass, but there was no other way of saying, you know, of getting that out there for the viewers because we've never had any in-head narration or anything like that before. So this is just this is just television, my friend, film and television. (laughs) You're going to have to. I I totally get it. If we I mean, we can talk about a lot of things in this show that if they happen in the real world, that would be a little wonky. So I, I totally get your point. No, it's just a badass line. And sometimes characters have to say them. Sometimes. Sometimes their lines, like in the cradle with that with the tech idiot uh, Eugene or whatever angles, yeah. uh, you know. Sometimes their lines like that, where I'm like, "Yeah, that was badass," but it didn't work for Westworld. Yeah, this line, in my opinion, 100 percent with Anthony Hopkins, Ford, 
his sinister creepiness that's happened <laughs> ever since he's set all these plans in motion at the end of last season. It's like, yeah. damn, that worked. Oh, for it me. worked. Yeah, it, was cool. it, it was just, I, I had to question that because I thought to, for whatever reason, I thought to myself, I was just like, well, they had to get us, get it to the viewers somehow. But I would not, if I was standing there thinking that, I wouldn't have said it. You know, it's just it's well, just a weird little thing. That's all. Let, for let's me. put it this yeah. way, Brett. Yeah, let's put it this way, Brett. We talked about Hans Gruber earlier from <laughs> Die Hard. When Hans falls off the building and and uh, McLean says, "Yippee Kai, hey motherfucker," who's he talking to? <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> you know, but I guess he's talking Hans... him in spirit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I get it. Right, right. Yeah. It's the it's the exact same thing. Exact yeah. Same so thing. it's like it's all you got to chalk it up to is badass line. Can I give you a, some, Can I give yeah. you a fun fact about that scene with Hans Gruber? Jeez. You probably already know it. But uh, and this is way off track from Westworld. Did you know that the the look on his face when he's falling is sincere because they dropped him at two? Like he was so scared of falling from oh. two onto the mat from whatever distance that they had that one two yeah, and they, they dropped, dropped him. him at three. They dropped him at two. So his look, like Alan Rickman's look as he's dropping down from Nakatomi Plaza, is a hundred percent genuine fear because he wasn't expecting to be dropped yet. That's so good. Yeah. I love that. Like there, there are certain directors, you know, uh, there's stories all about directors that that try to pit their actors against one another, like for because their characters are, and they try to make it authentic, sure. you know. And sometimes they drive their characters, uh, you know, a little too far, but it gets this performance they want, and uh, stuff like that's fascinating. Because honestly, like you know, he could be upset about it for a second, but at the end of the day, he was going to drop one second later right. and they got this great, you know, expression on him. So yeah, it's like, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, another little trivia fact about Die Hard, since we're doing a Die Hard option. <laughs> did you know that, that Nakatomi tower is actually the Fox building, the 20th century Fox building? I didn't know, but that, that kind of makes sense. Cause isn't it a Fox movie? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, the studio just used the out, the outside just used sure. the Fox building. So if you look at it, like the Fox Plaza, whatever it is, I, if it's still around, I believe it is. It, it just looks like it's Nakatomi Tower. Oh, wow, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So anyway, back to Westworld. Back to Westworld. <laughs> Always fun facts, though. I I do love Die Hard. Um, so Bernard approaches Maeve in in back in the uh, chop shop, and but Ford says that's close enough. Uh, he's able to con- connect with her, uh, and she is she is already connected to Bernard. And he says that he has a message for her. So so uh, you know he gives her that message, uh, which we find out what it is later. And uh, Bernard ends up going back to Elsie, and Ford says you can't trust her, Bernard. It's in her nature. And, uh, and, and Elsie says, what did you find in the cradle? And Bernard tells her. So it's like Bernard is fighting through what Ford is trying to do. Ford is trying to manipulate him like he always has. Uh, but, but Bernard's doing the best he can to, to get through it. And he tells her, he says, he says they're doing to James Delos to what they did to James Delos to everyone who's visited the park. He says, that's what's in the facility. All the guests laid bare in code on a vast server, like the cradle, only much bigger. It's called the Forge. So we now know the Valley Beyond, the place that Dolores, Wyatt, Teddy, all their people are trying to get to, uh, that is the Forge. And that is the ultimate server that that holds all the code from every guest experience. And so in the last episode or two, when we discussed it, you know, what is in Abernathy's head? What are they trying to get to? Uh, my guess is that's the encryption key for the Forge. Yeah. Is that yeah, that's so we get our answer there, a huge answer. We've been talking about the Valley Beyond and, and talking about the, the data, talking about the package and Abernathy. And now we know this Dolores is headed to the Forge, the technical name for it, with the encryption key, Abernathy's uh, consciousness. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that all goes down next episode. 
But uh, flashback to present time, William and Emily, uh, he still does not trust her. And he says, it doesn't sound like the daughter I know. She would have been appalled by what we were doing, monitoring guests, storing all their data. And so we find out that he doesn't buy it, the fact that she wants to come on board and be a part of this project. And uh, Emily says, I get the data you have access to here, genetics, uh, you know, all that, all that uh, DNA stuff, but still you need a complete picture a record of the internal process of their cognition, wouldn't you? And Man in Black says, at first we weren't sure what we'd need, so we got everything. And Man in Black ends up showing her because she's like, how would you capture that? And he shows her the hat. And so come to find out when they have you choose at Westworld, the black hat or the white hat, everybody has a hat because that is a scanner built into it. Yeah. That is so creepy to think that about. That was a because big revelation that was, it was kind of delivered, you know, a little low key, you know, but like it, it, was. But, uh, it was one of those things when you think back for, for 19 episodes, you're like, oh God, the hats meant so much more than just be looking Western in Westworld. Right. It, it is, it is really crazy. Um, I, uh, I, you know, it's one of those things we know they're monitoring them. We know they're capturing their experiences, but again, it's like, how, how are they, capturing so much of it and it's crazy to think that this hat has a computer built into it that is building the guest profile that's recording onto that silver profile card we're going to see here in a second like they're recording everything and it's from that hat yeah nuts it's a little fun fact too Uh, i pointed out to you um a couple months ago the the writers did an ama on reddit and somebody asked lisa joy as a guest would you choose a white hat or a black hat a simple question you know, for, for the writers and, you know, it's a fun answer you would expect. And she said, she said two months ago and put it right in our faces. She goes, I'd be wary of those hats in general. It's such a funny, <laughs> it's such an offhand remark. Like I, I, uh, you could take that as, Oh, I don't know if it's the style or I, you know, I don't trust a person with a funny cowboy hat. I mean, who knows what she meant or who knew back right. then, but there it was hiding in plain sight, just like a, a, like a Christopher Nolan movie that, you know, Jonathan Nolan's written on. It's like, here's your answers right in front of you. I love it when they drop hints like that, that are so vague, but in, in hindsight are so prolific. Right. Yeah. It was one of those things when I saw it, you know, Reddit exploded in the night, like they do every episode after every episode. And it's like, well, here's what that comment from Lisa Joy meant two months ago. And that is just incredible that they just throw that at you. And you have no idea till two months later, what she was talking about. And, just love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. F- fantastic. Um, but uh, we get another flashback here. Um, uh, you know, we find out that Emily, what she's trying to do here, Man in Black says, oh, you want to bring your mother back? And, and Emily says, no, I want to know why she did it. So she's trying to get to the bottom of, right. you know, she's been blaming herself. She's blamed her father. She wants to know why she killed herself. And so we get the flashback. Once again, we, we see William. Uh, we see his wife, Juliet. They're returning home from this party. Uh, and there's clearly some tension. Uh, she says that it's time for she, you know, in a very snarky kind of way, says, "Oh, it's time for your yearly pilgrimage to the park. What do you even do there?" And and she says, "Logan told her stories, but she never believed them." Again, talking about Logan and no one believing anything he says. And uh, she she recounts the time back when she first met William, and she said she was surrounded by all these fake people, all the people in her life, and and you know, around the company and her father she couldn't trust them. They were all so fake and phony. And she thought that William was the only real person, uh, person that she could trust because he was himself and, and not lying. But she, she says, it turns out you were the only one any good at faking it. Again, such a cutting line, yeah. such great writing there. 
So she sees through it. She sees through all William's lies that, you know, no, he wasn't real. He was no better than any of those other people, except for better at faking the truth. And uh, she slaps him, calls him a liar. She starts having this big breakdown and in walks Emily. And, uh, you know, uh, she, the mother says some really hurtful things and Emily walks in. And at this point, as we saw at the party, like, the the daughter and William they have a good relationship we don't see any animosity between them and instantly Emily you know tries to break it up and it's like mom stop this uh, you know we're gonna have to take you back and and so this is our first clue that I think that uh, the mother had been to some kind of a, like a rehab clinic right, yeah. uh, we know we know that she she said she's obviously had some substance abuse issues, uh, some mental issues going on, whatever they may be. But, but now Emily is telling us, you, you know, that she's been there before and she's going to have to go back. And the mom bites it. She says, you know, Oh no, you know, I I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not going back to that prison. That was a horrible place. They made me feel like I was crazy. And Emily says, mom, they treat you like an addict, which you are, which again, another blunt, you know, dialogue delivery here. And, and again, why Emily is saying she's blamed herself. I mean, back when she threw away the the music box and, and now, you know, these things that she's said to her, you know, she blames herself because the way that she pushed her and pushed her. And then of course, uh, you know, her, her eventual death would, would come only moments after this, we come to find out. So really heartbreaking yeah. when you watch it again, because you, you know exactly how this is going to unfold. Do you think that Juliet is probably the most sympathetic character in this in this show now just after this episode like if you think about the fact that like she knew all along like that her that william was not into it and and we'll get into his big his big dialogue here shortly but like having him turn her kids again at least emily against her because she looked at him this this moment was huge where she looked at emily as they're fighting and emily took his side you know, and in her mind, she's she knows that that she can't prove that he is, you know, not hers and that and uh, all the things, all the evil things he's done. like she says, you're an, you're a you're a virus and and all that stuff. And like, I, I don't know. I know what I'm trying to say, but like I'm at it's she, you know, she's yeah, ultimately mean, taking her life over the, over something she can never prove, but she knows and she gets that validation, you know, finally a little bit later, but, you know, going through the therapy or whatever it is they want to send her to and her daughter suggesting it as well and getting no help from anything to, and, you know, she can't really go anywhere because it's the family business, you know, like, I mean, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm trying to put this all together right now. I, I didn't prepare this or anything, but like. The fact that it, it's you know it's her dad's company and then that William inherited and and uh, you know well William has taken everything from her family. Yeah. I think is what you're yeah. trying to say. It's it's it is. It, you, you I definitely can feel sympathetic for Emily. Um, she's grown up her entire life believing everything this man has said, and she's also grown up believing her mom is crazy. And ultimately, her last interaction with her mother was one where she pushed her away, yelled at her, told her she's going to have to go back to the nut house right before she killed herself. So, you know, this is what a terrible final interaction to have with your parents. And, and, and especially when you know now that you were taking the side of someone who is a liar, um, it's, it's terrible. And, and this girl obviously grew up being manipulated by William, just like everyone else was manipulated by him. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a really, really heartbreaking scene. Again, especially when you watch it for the second time, 
because you know what's going right. to happen as it unfolds, and and it's it, it really is. I touching. was specifically talking um, about Juliet, but but yeah, Emily too went through a life of lies and everything as well, and but. No. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize. Yeah, because both are. I think. I think both are very sympathetic yeah. characters uh, because they both are. These two women are both the closest people in William's life, and they've both had to deal with his lies and and uh, his betrayals. Yeah, like Juliet knows him better than anyone. Like she's like she says, like you were the only one who was good at faking it. Like she might be coming off as drunk, yeah. you know, like and and being disregarded, like Logan was, but like. Like I feel like she could see right through him, and and, and as she, he says later on, you know, he, he validates it later on that like he never yeah. belonged here. He thinks he belongs in Westworld, and you know, it just such a heartbreaking scene for if you put yourself in Juliet's shoes for all the all the shit she went through, you know, to try to you know keep him grounded, and he was just never there. No, he didn't even, yeah, it never had an effect on him. He always went back to his yearly pilgrimage and obviously was spending a lot of time at work and, and more time. Obviously, it wasn't even just going yearly. I mean, clearly his work yeah. and, and going to all the, you know, to check out all the experiments and everything, like his life was Westworld and uh, that was his family. That's how he saw it. He he, he pushed his family aside, uh, drove them to, you know, drove drove his wife to kill herself drove the daughter to hate herself and to hate him. And, and uh, yeah, it's awful. Um, but, but before uh, William kind of, he, he like, uh, he tells Emily, it's okay. No, let's let her go have some rest. Like clearly William does not want to send her to the mental, to, mental institution. No. He's, and I think it's also because he feels guilty, like you said. And so he's like, let's let her go upstairs. She just needs to go get some rest. And uh, before she goes up, Juliet says to Emily, her last words to her, honey, your father doesn't love me. He doesn't love you either. I do. I always yeah. have. And uh, and that's their last interaction. Uh, he goes upstairs, brings Juliet to bed, tucks her in. And uh, she says, is this real? Are you real? Did you ever love me? Tell me the truth. Tell me one true thing. If you keep pretending, you're not going to remember who you are, which another great line and so true. It's uh, You hear about it all the time when people lie and they lie and get deeper and deeper. They forget the truth. You tell so many lies, you can't remember what what you're lying about and you also can't remember how it started you just you get into this you know crazy woven tale in in william's case his life Mm and uh the lies are becoming the reality and they're taking over so uh man of black then after he tucks her in he takes his profile i i don't think we mentioned it but at the bar ford gave him this profile card it's like a little like master card to him yeah, so it's this silver, shiny, uh, you know, microchip embedded, whatever this technology is. It's the profile of all his experiences. And so William takes it out of his suit pocket and he goes and he hides it in a bunch of books. I wanted to look up the books. Again, these shows are so smart with their writing and their and their meaning. Like I'm sure the books he put it in have yeah, some philosophical yeah, I had a list of them earlier. I didn't I don't have it up currently, but um, yeah, one of them okay. was like Moby Dick, which is a good uh uh, metaphor for you know obsession you know things oh. like that you know oh yeah a- a- captain ahab have chasing the yeah. white whale and, and uh, then there yeah, was uh definitely. there was a couple others that involved uh you know just uh non-linear um storytelling and you know everything that every single book applied to his arc or westworld in general so yeah so they okay, definitely awesome. do all have a meaning Good. I didn't get to look into it, but I just know how these shows work. I know J.J. Abrams shows. I know Westworld and Jonathan Nolan's writing and, you know, Lisa Joy's. And it's like, if he's going and putting this thing in these books, those books right. mean something. It's yep. not like, you know, it's not just like some uh, cheap reading material. And especially because the entire 
like the first part of this episode was talking about uh, quotes from books and about, you know, the rich kids not reading books and, and the other kids, you know, so it's like, yeah, those are meaningful. Sure. So after this, he, he tucks her in and he goes downstairs to talk to Emily and Emily says that she's called uh, for help and, and the doctor is going to come and, and take her away. And, uh, and that uh, this, you know, she, the, the doctor's already agreed to give her uh, like a no contest, uh, you know, uh, trip to the, to the mental institution. It's so, like for 14 days, at least she'll be there. And, and ultimately Emily wants her to stay there longer because she just, she thinks her mom's completely crazy and, and needs help. And, um, it's it, uh it goes back um it, it flashes back at this point to man in black and he's he says to emily in present time what happened was nobody's fault she was drunk upset but emily retorts she was she often was why did this night end differently that's what i can't figure out i've been playing it in my head a million times just like i'm missing a piece of the puzzle and Emily tells William that she, and, and, and after she goes back to the past and, and talking about calling the doctor and everything, uh, William sees some water dripping onto his hand onto the table and he looks up and there's water dripping from the ceiling and us as, as viewers, we obviously know what right. this means. Uh, you know, we've seen the flashes Williams, you know, in those traumatic, uh, moments, those flashbacks, uh, throughout the season, when we see the bathtub and we see the, the limp lifeless arm hanging out the side and lo and behold, this was it. You know, we know this is Juliet killing herself in the yeah. bathtub. Um, Flash forward real quick before we get to that moment, though. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, let me let me fix that. We do go see that. Um, and, and this is it. It confirms it. Uh, he runs upstairs, and there she is. Juliet is white. She's pale. Uh, you see the pills spilled. You see the water overflowing in the bathtub. It's it's a haunt. It's haunting imagery. It's terrible. It's we knew what it was going to be, but it's like here it is. Here is you know them finding Juliet dead, and and they both blame themselves. It it must be an unbearable think to live with so we go back to present day and man in black doesn't trust her he he's still just you know after this whole tale and reliving all these terrible memories uh he says to her he just says to her this is sadistic robert you just want to shove what i've built here in my face and so he's still on that train of thought no matter what she says all these stories um and memories all these moments they're sharing it, it doesn't matter to him he's he's lost he's it's all, it's all a game. It's all about him and Westworld and, and Ford. Uh, and so he says, I make my own decisions and I'm going to destroy this entire fucking place. And Emily says to him, you don't think I'm a host. You think everything here is for you. You think you're on your own little tailor-made narrative. I am not a host pretending to be a human dad. I'm your daughter pretending Ooh. to give a shit about you. Like, yeah. damn. Brutal line for father. writing it. <laughs> it is. And, and again, yeah, we touched upon that earlier real quick, but it's like, yeah, this... This episode aired on Father's Day, and we haven't even gotten to the worst no, of it. Yet. All. all this has gone down in this Father's Day episode, and so I do. You, do you think that HBO and Westworld did this? I on think purpose? HBO does. I think they do plan around holidays because Game of Thrones did it back in season four when when uh, they they advertised they had Father's Day advertisements talking about like Robert and uh, and Ned, all the fathers who have died, and you know, of course, alluding to the the book readers who knew that that uh, that. Uh, Oh, I can't think of pop. The no, red wedding, uh, Tyrion's on? dad, Tywin. When you know when he uh, when he kills Tywin on the okay. on the toilet, but uh, you know they they did it for Game of Thrones, a very Father's Day centric like marketing, and then of course the t- big incident <laughs> yeah. with Tyrion and, and Tywin happened on Father's Day weekend, and um, so it didn't surprise me okay. that it happened here as well. 
Yeah, there's no way. I mean, I, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm going to take this straight out of the episode, but uh, Emily tells her father, you don't believe in fate. It's like, I'm going to say right now, like, it's not that I don't believe in fate, but this coincidence yeah. is too much. <laughs> it, it, there's no way this episode aired on Father's Day and they didn't mean for it to fall like that. So uh, it, yeah. it's just crazy. It made, it made it even more impactful just for what it's worth, the fact that it was a Father's yeah. Day I won't say Father's Day episode, but it literally fell on Father's Day. And I Day, think so, uh, wasn't wasn't uh, the season delayed a little bit too? Like it didn't come out like the same time the first season did. Wasn't there a longer uh, time? Like, but there, there definitely was. And if they, you think they maybe made the first episode air when it did? Yeah, so it could line I, I up think with that Father's they, Day. I think they deliberately <laughs> would do that. Like I don't think they they tailor made this the series to like we're going to write this episode and it's going to air on Father's Day, but like. I, I think when they put the, everything together and they had the air dates and stuff that, that it played a factor and maybe not, maybe I'm just, that, that's there's awesome. my tinfoil, but, but because it happened with game of Thrones and it was such a pivotal moment, you know, and they marketed it as like a father's day thing that there there's Brad, there's no way this is coincidence. And, and, and whether it be that they were going to air this as episode eight, maybe nine was the other, you know, like they may have switched some things around, but they knew this yeah. was coming out tonight. There's, yeah, and it so yeah, it's just a very interesting uh, and caused a lot of interesting memes. <laughs> if uh, you know, you especially go on Twitter and look at all the spoilers. <laughs> Some great little uh, you know Happy Father's Day messages uh, were floating around. So great free advertisement for the show, definitely. Um, so Emily says to William uh, and Madame Black, "Enjoy whatever dream you think you're living in. When this is all done, I'm going to expose your research project along with you, everything you are, everything you've done." I'm, it's going to come to light. I'm going to make sure of it. And when it does, I'm going to lock you up just like we were going to do to mom, just like you did to mom. And uh, ouch, I mean, again, stinging more and more deep cuts. And so uh, I have to believe that her whole, I want to be a part of this was just a ploy, right? She doesn't care about his project. She wants to, she yeah. wants to get close to him so she can expose him. I, yeah. What you think, I think what so you're too. thinking. Yeah, there's, there's no way. If, okay. With the I mean, life she li- that she lived of blaming herself for her mom's death and not knowing the truth. Uh, and, you know, just, yeah, all the lies that she, that she lived through and, and, feeling all that guilt throughout all the years she wants to i think everything she says here is genuine yeah exactly no that was the play so we find out uh i mean we haven't understood since episode two i think it was like what is this character doing like we eventually found out that she was man of black's daughter and that she was trying to find him but why the question has been and it made it seem in in the last episode like oh she wanted a relationship dad you know oh i don't blame yourself we're we only have each other left you know let's let's have a relationship before it's too late but it's like no she's she's being just as manipulative as her father's taught her to be and i'm not saying she isn't right but it's like she's learned from him and she's she's trying to get him to you know yeah. right where she wants him and and so uh so she says uh you know and this is hard hard too for him because she's basically calling out like you know blaming william more and more for for the wife her mother's death and then also uh putting her in the mental hospital but we know it didn't exactly go down like that and william responds that you were the one with that idea you made the call and then he says, or did Ford forget to give you that little detail? So again, more and more with the, your host uh, and thinking that this narrative isn't lining up right with the real past. And, uh, you know, she says, F Ford, how could I ever forget that little detail haunted me? I blame myself for her death, but then I stopped because I had someone else to blame. I read your profile. Mom gave mom left it for me. And so, you know, now 
now we're led to believe that she knows everything. She knows about William and, and everything that he's done. But before they can go any further, QA arrives. Uh, we know the flare went off. And so it's been about 10 minutes. That they've been left alone here or 15 minutes. And, uh, they come and, and, you know, they, they say, put your hands up, of course. And they both, they both do. And, uh, they realize that it's, it's the boss man. It's William. And, uh, you know, they go check him out. They can detect that he's not a host, but, uh, she says that, you know, she tries to turn them against him and then they, you know, they say, is this true? And he's just like, cause he thinks she's a host. Yeah. And they deliberately, they deliberately don't show you the react, the, the scan on her neck. They show you that on, on, uh, William, mm-hmm. on the man in black, that, that he's good to go, but she gets scanned in the background and you never see the, again, never see the, uh, response, whether or not she was a host or not. So it right. adds that layer of, of vagueness yeah, uncertainty whether or yeah. not she is one. Again, I've always leaned on the side that she was real, but it's just another detail that makes you think, you know. And I think yeah, with, I don't the, know. with the but, uh, theme of this episode too, yeah. like, um, it it's a good reason to not show us as well because like it's it's got us questioning, you know, uncertain about all these things. Like as we're gonna see later on, the man in black is uncertain about you know everything, you know. So I think it's just like spiraling as we approach the end of the season to where we don't know what's true anymore. You know, like I've spent the whole season thinking that she was human, but part of me thinks that she couldn't be, or that she might not be. Yeah. And, 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 and this is the moment though. This is, this is the big, just explosive moment of the entire episode. Uh, the big surprise, uh, this was nuts. Uh, so the tech is, is close to him when they're talking and after he's scanned him to make sure that William's a human and he takes his gun and he mows down all the techs. And at yeah. this point I have the same reaction as Emily that we're about to see, but I'm like, those were humans. Like we know, yeah. I mean, as far as we know now, is it possible that all the Delos QA are, are hosts? Uh, like there's some kind of a tactical host team. I mean, there's nothing that has told us they are. I'm just saying we don't have proof that they are human. But as as far as we know, those guys That's are a, human. I've never thought about that. That's an interesting thought. Like if they have the technology, why put people's life in danger? If there needs to be a rescue team, why not just use all hosts? Right. That's what. I'm, but then again, they can be manipulated. So maybe they don't. But I'm just saying we don't know for sure. But as far as we know, everything we know, these are these are human. The QAs are just the human response team. Uh, and so um, he mows these guys down. And I'm thinking like in front of his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're thinking like you're you're not playing a game. You know, we have the same reaction as an audience you think that you're playing this crazy game that Ford set up for you and you may be playing a game, but this part is real life. Like you just murdered what four humans. Yeah. Like, four. That's it's crazy. So like you're, you're a murderer now. Like you're not just in the West world, uh, not, a killer. Not only that, but he sprayed it like the gun, like the, all four of these people were around his daughter. She was down laying on the ground to avoid the gunfire or whatever. She right. had it down her hands up because that was what she was instructed to do. But he just hip fired this, this automatic machine gun like over her to kill was, all four of these people. He was ready to, if she died, it, it wouldn't have mattered. I guess, I, mean, I guess it wouldn't have mattered. But to her, it's, you know, like how haunting is that, that your own dad, I mean, yeah. I guess she knew that he was going down that path to where, like, he doesn't believe that she's even real. But at the same time, like, he killed four people around you just hip firing that gun. Like, yeah, no, oh. I, I thought the same thing, and that was that was exactly my reaction. Was like, oh my god, you just did that, and you could have killed her. But then come to find out, again, I mean, that that wasn't even the biggest crazy part of the moment, or 
crazy part of the moment. That's it. Well, I guess that's technically correct. Um, that wasn't even the craziest thing that happened, though. So she gets up, like you said, off the ground. And she looks at him like, Dad, her eyes are wide. I mean, her her facial expression is one of fear and, and uncertainty. And just yeah. she is freaked out by this, rightfully so, uh, these these humans. And she says, Dad, you know, those were real people. And uh, and and uh, she, she says, I can show you. You know, she starts reaching behind her back. And I took this as, like, he doesn't know if this is – a part of Ford's game is she does she have a gun is she going to try to kill him like he doesn't know he's lost all you know reality and and uh gr- grip on on real life here and so he mows her down which ugh, i was just it completely might, stunned by it might have been that i recall at least it's the most recent if i'd done it before but i would say that it's the first time this season if at all in the series that i gasped and and i said out loud are you kidding me because I, I did not see him mowing her down like that. Like it, it I, just left me in awe. Like I couldn't believe it. I never, never would have thought it was going that way. I mean, they've been alluding to it, but again, just because they allude to, you know, his distrust doesn't mean that he's going to murder his own daughter, daughter slash maybe host daughter. Like it's crazy. You think, okay, what's, what's the end game here? Uh, last episode, the very last episode, Emily was taking uh, William away and she says I'm going to punish him and we speculated I, I said Brad what is she trying to do how is she going to hurt him more than Ghost Nation can and I thought oh she's going to destroy the park right and so it's like what is she trying to do but whatever it is I thought they would at least get to the end of the season you know maybe one of them would win in the end over the other one but to have to have it go down like this to have it so abruptly like QA shows up and you think, okay, they're saved somehow. And then he kills them, which is shocking enough. But then his own daughter, who mm-hmm. we find out, I mean, she really was reaching to show him. Uh, she was grabbing for his profile, yeah. the one that, that she found that the mother gave her. And, uh, and yeah, he just killed her cold blooded. Uh, and he, and he, and he's screaming when, when he's firing, fuck you Ford. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's pure craziness because we know that he's lost his mind yeah. and like, I, I get it. It would be very hard to separate reality from all this stuff going on in the park. Like it would screw with your head. But as viewers, we're like, this is too much, even for him. Like you've yep. lost it, buddy. I agree. And uh, I was gonna say, you asked me earlier if you think we'll see more of her or, or talk about seeing more of her. I, I really like her as a character um, with the development she's had throughout the throughout the um, season. Like so now at this point, either she was a host, which we still don't know for absolute certain. Or it's got to be through flashbacks, you know, if, if, you know, in seasons to come, because yeah, at this point, you know, if, if she was human, she is, she is gone in the present day. Now she's also riding around Westworld with a cowboy hat on. I mean, just because if, if she was human, that doesn't necessarily mean she's gone. Right. That's true. You know? So, but, but no, I, I was honestly just half joking earlier. Like, are we going to see more of her? You know? Uh, I mean, this, I think she, I, I still think she was human. Yeah. I do think he murdered his daughter. Um, I think that this scene loses a lot of impact if she was a host. That, that's right? true. That um, I didn't think about it that way. Like for until proven otherwise, I, I, like I've said all season, I think she's human. So yeah. Yeah. But, and so it, it's a, it's a, 
it's an insane scene. It's a crazy event that happened here. Uh, we know that he's been losing it more and more and, and his, you know, Ford has been playing games with him and still is. And so you totally understand how he could get to this point, but you never would think that he would dive off the deep end like this. And, uh, you know, this is his breaking point. I mean, he's his breaking point to even with everything else that's happened in this whole series to where he's contemplating taking his own life now, because he, he goes to his daughter and he's still talking to Ford, you know, talking out in the middle of nowhere. Like you're, you know, you slipped up Ford. Uh, no one knew about my profile, you know, and, and, and uh, then he goes and it looks like he's going to cut her arm open because I guess the easy way to tell if a host is human rather than like cut their head open is to cut their arm and see if they have that little USB port or whatever sure. it is. Yeah. And he's going down. And he wouldn't want to mutilate his daughter anyway, if it was her. That's, so I, that's I think true. the arm would be the safe bet. To Definitely. Do that, yeah. It is a good, it's an easy choice before you scalp someone. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he's about to go down and cut her arm open, but then he looks down and sees what is in her other hand and he opens it up and there it is. Like we, it's a father's day card. Yeah. Right. Happy father's day. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's that's going to be a meme that will never die, though. You know, like yeah. <laughs> every Father's Day from now on, it's going to be her hand holding a Father's Day card. Um, yeah. But no, he sees this and he he just he's he's taken aback by this. He's you know gasping here because he he thought, oh, I, I didn't even tell anyone about my profile, so there's no way she would have ended up with it, surely. But here it is in her hand, uh, and he and he loses it. Um, yep. but, but before we get back to him and, uh, in the next big moment in, in another great, uh, scene of dialogue and flashback, uh, we go back to the chop shop and, uh, Roland, the tech is there talking to Maeve, you know, just kind of as he's walking by, says, you don't have long left. And, uh, now we see Ford and Ford is talking to Maeve, which we haven't seen before. And so we see that like the package, whatever the message was that he told Bernard that he'd be delivering to Maeve, uh, it was Ford. It was his consciousness. So we now yep. we now know that Ford has transferred himself. So what happens later with Bernard doesn't matter because Ford has already implanted himself in Maeve. So it's not uh, it's not the end of the day for Ford yet here. But he's talking to Maeve, and we get a lot of insight into his relationship with her, which we haven't heard in the past. Um, he says some more great quotes, um, you know, as, as Ford tends to do, uh, but uh, we won't get into them here. But uh, he does end up saying that he had a different ending in mind for her. He talks about how he gave her the will and the storyline to escape and to get out of there. Um, and so uh, sometimes I felt the only way to endure this world was to laugh at it. So I imbued the host with a worldview that reflected my own. And of all the hosts I made, you may were my favorite. Uh, it isn't co- easy to contemplate letting your child die. You were as close as I got to having one. Still, I underestimated you. You stayed here in this world to save your child. So have I. I tried to chart a path for you to force you to escape, but I was wrong. I should have just opened a door. You've come so far. There's so much of your story left to tell. It's a shame to let them end it here. Don't let them. And before he leaves, you see a tablet next to her with her profile, and it's updating. It says "unlocking core permissions." So yep. that's a lot. I mean, that's a we found out a lot there. So uh, we find out that Ford views Maeve as the closest thing he has to a child. I, you know, as much as similar to Dolores was to Arnold, it seems like Maeve was that to Ford, uh, which I had no idea about before that yeah, me either um, and so he you know we we do know that he did give her that that storyline to escape we found out that you know from from felix uh you know and, and the text with the tablet that a lot of her responses were scripted and even when she thought she had free will she didn't it was part of ford's narrative 
And when we find out the reason why he gave her all that was because he thought of her as a child and wanted her to escape this world. He knew the chaos that would ensue. He knew that Westworld was going to be destroyed and, and, and Maeve along with it. So he gave her that, that escape. Uh, but he said he was foolish. It's interesting that, you know, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have done all that. I think I took it literally what he said. He should have just opened a door, meaning like instead of giving her the will and, and opening all this up, he should have just let her go and, and helped her escape literally. Uh, but he also underestimated her and her, you know, her ideas and what she evolved into and her being a mother and, and trying to help. Uh, and so he, he clearly is very attached to her and doesn't want to see her fail. And so, um, he, he's given her this ability that, uh, I guess completely be unlocked. We thought she was powerful before now, apparently she is free reign to do whatever. So we'll see what ends up happening with Maeve, but, um, I have a feeling that character is not going anywhere. I, I wouldn't believe for a second they're writing off Maeve. What do you think? No, not at all. I think she is a very powerful figure in 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 the show, and uh, it's not her time yet. No, don't take her away, please. Uh, like especially, we don't know what's going to end up happening with Wyatt, but uh, please don't take away Maze. That would just be awful. Uh, so uh, Bernard uh, Bernard and Elsie now have actually stumbled upon the 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 bloodshed from Man in Black and and his daughter and all those QA. And uh, when they ride up, Elsie says, I'm going to go uh, get some ammunition from them. And uh, we see Ford again. Ford pops up to talk to Bernard uh, and and says that he has to take out Elsie. You can't trust her. Uh, and he starts trying to coerce her, just like he's done in the past with other people. He wants Bernard to kill Elsie, but Bernard fights it. You know, Bernard is able to overcome his control, and he ends up having this great scene. Uh, it's, it's just Jeffrey Wright again doing some amazing work uh, struggling with himself. You know, it's all internal when he's talking to Ford, you know, it's all in his head. And so he's yelling, get out of my head. And uh, you can see the pain that he's going through to fight him. And, uh, and he ends up being able to get rid of Ford. Uh, He, he cuts open his arm and he plugs into it and he deletes the code that was, that was uh, programmed into him and Ford disappears. So, like we said earlier, it doesn't mean Ford's gone. He's now in Maeve. But um, yeah. at this point, I believe that that he's gone from Bernard. I, I, I don't think there's any chance he's still hidden in there, do you? I, I think there's a chance. I, I think uh, the point of the scene was to express Bernard's control over over his cognition there, You know, which, of course, Ford was, was manipulating um, being inside it. But um, I... I think there's a chance that there's remnants of it, but based on, you know, the scene that we saw, they want us to believe that, that Ford's completely wiped out of Bernard and, you know, he took the initiative to get him out of there. It could be a trick, but I also think again, it, it would undermine it, that struggle. I mean, if it were just a head That's fake, I, I, I get it. But then, you know, this is Bernard finally overcoming Ford. This has been two seasons of, of being manipulated. And so again, I'm not saying, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I at least would like to think that this, it seemed like a permanent fix uh, when Ford disappeared. So yeah. we'll see if he's, he's hanging around or not. But uh, the point is that Elsie uh, sees something going on, you know, she's like, are you all right? And uh, he's hooked up to the machine and he ends up saying that, uh, you know, he just had to do something. Uh, but, but ultimately he ends up, saying i'm i'm getting out of here and and elsie's got her hand on her gun and she's getting ready for you know she's always thinking that bernard could turn on her at any moment yeah. but yeah but he, he was says, smart enough to uh to i don't know if you mentioned it at the beginning of the scene but during the struggle with ford he actually like zip tied his hand to to the steering wheel so he couldn't hurt elsie because he had her best interest oh. in mind but of course and she's 
she was she's been paranoid the whole time with him like she made him promise that you weren't gonna, that he wasn't going to hurt her again and so yeah. she was skeptical coming back to that car seeing that he was zip tied to the to the wheel and was like were you going to hurt me you know like so, i like that i i did not catch that that's really smart i that's another yeah. really good good uh, moment to show you that he does care about Elsie and you know he he really i mean we know he's a good guy but that's definitely what what allowed her to trust him which is great and uh he says someone will pick you up i gotta get out of here and so uh poor elsie he ends up leaving elsie in the middle of you know just in the middle of the desert with a bunch of dead people all around her and, and no means of transportation um he does hand her something which i don't know i, I couldn't it's like a white round thing is that a like a location device or what? i wasn't sure it wasn't it wasn't what goes in their head it looked kind of like a no. landmine of some it was like a white donut but it had like a spiral almost metal around it like yeah. i am sure we may have seen this before and i apologize um I, I think it may have been a tracking device so they could find her i'm not 100 percent sure on that i like that um, idea that but, you know because yeah. he, he cares about her and doesn't want her to be stranded you know he already knows that she's been stranded out there for however long Right. Um, and oh. she doesn't even have a uh, uh, protein bars. Now. Yeah. <laughs> or ketchup packets. Ketchup, <laughs> ketchup packets and protein. So it's like, you can't just leave her there with nothing. So hopefully yeah. they find her soon. But, but yeah, poor, poor Elsie. Uh, but yeah, so now we go back to man in black and he's riding alone. Of course uh, he, he's continuing on his journey, wounded, obviously mentally exhausted. Uh, and he stops, he gets off the horse and we start seeing flashbacks of his daughter and of his wife and uh, here he puts a gun to his head. And this is another really great moment. I love the way this is edited. Uh, I love the narration. Yeah. We get Man in Black narrating. We get lines from his daughter and wife cut in, in between stuff that we've heard before, new stuff. Uh, but we start to get the insight into what really happened after his wife went upstairs. And so flashback to the past. Uh, and we see William tucking his wife into bed. Uh, and, and at this point, we see him check his arm, just like he did uh, before. And so, again, he's questioning his reality at this point. But he's sitting on the end of the bed, and he thinks that his wife is passed out from from all the drinking and exhaustion from the party. Um, but this is where he has the dialogue that was alluded to in the beginning of the episode, those lines of, of uh, you know, nobody else sees it. That was all from this moment. So this is the full scene. And uh, he says, and I'm going to read it all again because it's important. And, and he says, no one else sees it, this thing in me. Even I didn't see it at first. And then one day it was there, a stain I never noticed before, a tiny fleck of darkness invisible to everyone, but I could see nothing else until finally I understood that the darkness was some mark from something I'd done. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Until finally I understood this darkness wasn't some mark from something I'd done, some regrettable decision I'd made. I was shedding my skin, and the darkness was what was underneath. It was mine all along. And I decided how much I would let into the world. I tried to do right. I was faithful, generous, kind, at least in this world. That has to count for something, right? I built a wall, and I tried to protect you and Emily. But you saw right through it, didn't you? You're the only one. And for that, I am truly sorry because everything you feel is true. I don't belong to you or this world. I belong to another world. I always have. And so it's like, wow. I mean, he unloads this truth that it's, it appears, I mean, he's, he's tried to ignore it. He's denied it to himself. Um, this whole, you know, we talk about William and turning into the man in black. And what this says to me is that William was always the man in black and William was the cover up. He was always had this darkness and William, the William we knew, the younger William, you know, was him trying to mask this darkness that was always there. And so, I mean, 
great monologue, uh, great delivery by Ed Harris. Yeah, um, it was incredible. And, uh, you know, this, yeah, this character just completely coming to, to terms and grips with the, the truth of his existence. And uh, we see after he leaves, Juliet gets out of bed and she clearly was faking falling asleep. Yeah. She saw him. She saw him put the profile, hiding it in the books. Mm. She gets up and she takes the profile card and she puts it down on a tablet, which then shows all the videos from the past. You know, I say all, obviously there's going to be millions of scenes out there over the years, but we see a lot of terrible things William's done uh, over the past, uh, you know, killing hosts, dragging Dolores around. Um, And so at this moment, she knows it's all true. She's heard the stories. Um, I don't think she had ever seen it before until now. And, and this was the last straw. This is what sets her over the edge. So she knows her whole life was a lie because everything, everything that she thought, everything that Logan said, it's like, it was all true. Yeah, It was all true. And she didn't have any, anybody to validate or any proof whatsoever to, to on, on the ways that she felt. And when she could see right through him, like he knew that she could, you know, which is why, you know, they had the, you know, commit her to, to, to wherever she gone. And, and, you know, and I guess, you know, she resorted to alcohol and, and whatever to, to get through it. Like it's, it's just, at the end of the episode, like I felt so bad for Juliet, like, you know, only really getting yeah. to know this episode. And it was like, just such a, such a heartbreaking character. Well, this is two episodes in a row now that we've gotten episodes. I know this one doesn't evolve as much around Juliet as the last episode did around Akacheda, right. but we got a lot of insight into our character. This oh, certainly yeah. is the most, like you said, we've ever had about Juliet. So, I mean, so you could say that these are two episodes in a row that we've gotten pretty much new characters that we've focused on, or at least the most we've ever focused on these characters. And it's like, they've both been so heartbreaking and so uh, emotional. I mean, it's incredible what they've done with these last two episodes. I, I uh, kudos to the writers because this has been a phenomenal season. And it's like, like I've said it before, I'll say it again. They keep getting better and better and better. And it's like, I don't think they could do this again, especially after last week's episode. Like, how are you going to make me feel like that? But you're right. It's like, it's, it's Juliet. It's Emily. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so we find out this is what's, uh, you know, pushes her over the edge and her final act before she kills herself is she walks over to her dresser. And this is that moment we talked about before that's making us question what this really means. But we see the music box with the ballerina, on yeah. it, the one that Emily said she threw away when she was 16. Now, I took this literally, and, and I can, I would love to talk to you about the, you know, other implications this may have, but I took this as if, you know, Emily felt so bad about throwing this away and it already went out to the trash by the time she tried to recover it. It's gone. It's lost. No one's ever seen it again. Um, I took this as the mother got it out of the trash without her knowing and kept it this whole time. But I can definitely see where it leads you to still question mm-hmm. it because if, if, if that's where Juliet left the profile card and Emily has the profile card, you would think that she would have had to have seen it inside the music box, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the going back to looping around from what I was talking about at the beginning, because I didn't want to ruin this moment because I knew this was a huge scene, um, was that she tells him that she never saw that music box again. So part of me thinks like if, if we're going to keep with the idea that she's human, that she was just prodding him for information because we know at this point that she has the profile and we know at this point that the profile was in that music box that she told him she never saw again. So in my mind, it's either she was prodding him for information um, and trying to get him to come around and, and do what she wants to, you know, get him out of there. And, uh, 
the other part of me was thinking that, well, she was a host that didn't have that detail that, that she actually found or that, uh, the music box was found, but I guess that doesn't really, he, she got the profile somewhere cause we saw her physically have it. So yeah, it's um, not a hundred percent. I mean, she, this is the thing she's, Emily says the mother left it for her. And so we know that she was leaving it behind in that box. I feel like that was something that she, she it was somewhere that she knew Emily would find it. And so if she were to get the profile card, I believe she would have gotten it from that music box. Now, just to play devil's advocate here, she could have been manipulating man in black. We know that obviously she told lies in this very episode, several of them to try to coerce him into leading her to, you know, the secrets and everything he was working on. So it is always possible that she just played it down, you know, that she just said she never saw it again, or maybe she tiptoed around it. Like she says, I tried to get it out of the trash, but it was too late. I don't know that she necessarily said I never saw it again. She just said it was too late. That doesn't mean she didn't see it. 20 30 years later you know yeah um so it's just it's hard to say i mean i know we want to read into everything and i totally understand it um so it's a question it's debatable out there is this a memory or is it a real thing that happened i don't know maybe another thing i just thought of um maybe she was trying to find out whether or not he left her that profile right because she mentioned that, mo- that music box and how she never saw it again. I mean, clearly in her mind, she knows she got it from the music box and maybe she didn't know whether or not he left it for her or, or that's a great point. That's a great point. But I tend to go even more with that was Emily testing man in black yeah. with the lie, right? Yeah. And just because she says something that's not true, doesn't mean that she's not human. It could very easily. I mean, remember way back from uh season two remember when she's trying to test uh the other guy to see if he's a host or not you know could she have been pulling her own uh you know baseline test or or you yeah. know whatever uh so anyway uh it's up for debate write us tell us what you think uh, but either way after this and, and see if there's any inkling like by you know the way she looks when she's tell um telling him about it you know if, if you know if it looks like she's trying to fish for for that information because i feel like I, that's where I'm leaning at now is that she knows where she found it. Now she's trying to figure out how it got there. And did he want me to see this or did my mom leave this for me? You know, and yeah, you know, so. it, that would definitely line up. Yeah. Uh, but either way, another heartbreaking moment. And, you know, now man in black is standing there questioning whether or not he's in control. Was he ever in control? And he's got a gun to his head. Uh, and so it, you know, again, it's like, we've already lost, he's lost his wife. We just lost Emily. Who's a character that we've, we've grown to be, you know, be very interested in and and uh we're certainly hoping that she would make it out of there um but you know now we're like are we gonna lose man in black we already thought we might have a couple episodes ago um but uh you know so so he's narrating what is a person but a collection of choices where do these choices come from do i have a choice and he drops the gun so it was that was a huge sigh of relief to me because as, as many terrible things as he's done in his life and as much as this episode kind of makes you turn against him it's like i don't want another character like this just to leave us like i I can't let go like i'm still so fascinated in his journey and i would love to see him either you know see his day in court so to speak like i mean to have some kind of finality not taking his own life but having to answer to the real world or having him answer to ford is ford going to win the game is he going to defeat ford is he going to get some sort of redemption you know i just I did not want him to kill himself. I'm so glad he made it because I feel like there's, there's definitely a better ending than that out there for him. Yeah. So, um, 
we hear we hear lines, and I think these are some of the lines we heard before. But the last part of the scene is, um, "If you keep pretending, you're not going to remember who you are." And Man in Black again narrates, "Were any of these choices ever truly mine to begin with?" And now, finally, finally, we see him go to his arm like he's done once, once again, again and again in this episode. But he cuts it open. Yeah. And of course, that's where they cut away. So we don't know what he finds, but he is questioning. We should again. Is- I think the point is, I don't think we should expect to see anything in there because we saw the people scan him and say that he was normal, right? I think it's just the that's- agony of him not knowing. Like he's he's spiraled so far out of control that he he's like, you know, just fighting himself. Like, am I? You know, like, can you imagine being in that scenario where you don't know if you're human? If you're or, a person. Or, yeah, like. Definitely. No, I, I, I agree with you. I, again, it's just this show, it, it will surprise you around every corner. Sure, so like, yeah. does, does he have a technology where the scanners don't apply to him? You know, I mean, I'm, sure, I'm yeah. totally tinfoiling it out here, but, um, but the point is, yes, I would not expect to see anything, but, but the, the real truth of it is, is he's cutting his arm open. That's how much he's questioning yeah. his entire existence and the choices he's made. So uh, a devastating scene and a devastating episode for, for William man in black, uh, and especially Emily. Uh, so rest in peace, Emily. It will be interesting to see what comes of her if she was a host, if she was real. Uh, but I'm going to say she was human at the I, end of the day. I am too. So the last scene of this episode, and then we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Dolores and Teddy getting closer and closer uh, to the forge, and uh, they stop, and, and uh, Teddy's looking off into the distance. And Dolores says, "We got to keep on, Teddy. We're close now." And he says this line, another a cutting insult to Dolores, <laughs> as he's had so many good lines uh, since she's reprogrammed. He says, "Just taking in the natural splendor." And then he says, that's what I used to say, except there isn't a trace of nature in any of it, is there, or in us. And Dolores says, we'll be the first creatures in this world to make a real choice. Teddy replies, sometimes it feels like it was all a dream. We were so much in love. Dolores answers, we still are, aren't we? And he says, yes, Dolores, no matter what happens, no matter how I change or how much you change me, you're my cornerstone. You have been since the first time I laid eyes on you. I remember now. I remember everything. And so we get the the first look at Teddy awakening, uh, you know, way back in the past with Arnold. Uh, we haven't gone quite back that far with him before. Yeah. And we see him, you know, coming online as, as we used to see many of these scenes. And uh, it's the workshop that Arnold worked in with all a bunch of different hosts scattered around. And Dolores is there unclothed, like all the hosts were at that time. And she's across the room. And Teddy says how he remembers from the moment he woke up and saw her, how he cared about her. And, and he was worried about her being cold because she was naked. <laughs> And and so it's it just it's Teddy really thing to say too. Like, it is, and it's like you know these are hosts, but because of his programming, because of how he was programmed to care about Dolores, the first thing he thinks when he sees her, you know, after coming online, is is she cold? Like, yeah, it's so it's, like chivalrous. So like, like just and it's so heartbreaking yeah. because this is Teddy from the moment of his birth, the birth that he knows and we know. Um, I mean he has this undying love for Dolores. Like he just says, I always have, and I always will love you. It's in my programming. And, and so, yeah, it, it really just makes you feel for him even more if you didn't already care about him enough. And, uh, he says that, uh, you know, from that moment on, he's done nothing but stand by her side and protect her. And, uh, and he says to her, what's the use of surviving if we become just as bad as them? I understand now how this will end where you will lead us. So this is the big moment. Yeah, he's and, got that uh, look Dolores in his eyes and she's, uh, She's like, yeah. uh, wait a minute. Yep, and, and she says, you don't want to hurt me, Teddy. And and Teddy says, no, no, I could never hurt you, Dolores. I'll protect you until the day I die. 
but sorry, that day is now. <laughs> I can't protect you anymore. You're like, what? Yeah. But we knew we kind of knew uh, it was coming because you know, at the end of the next episode, we know he's going to be face up in the water with a with a bullet hole in his head. So, but it, it was so I, I was like, oh my god, what's going to happen? Like for a second, I even forgot that. Like yeah, I knew sure. he ends up face down in the water, yeah. but that could have been for some other reason. Like some of Wyatt's men could have killed him and thrown him in the water. Like for a second here, all I could think of was, oh my god, he's going to turn on Dolores. Like is he going to take her out? And, uh, but no, he can't. And, and, uh, that's what that whole talk was about. And, uh, she's been his cornerstone since the beginning and, and he's been loyal. And so I love the way that's written though, that it's, no, I could never hurt you. Yeah. And, and, and it's true. He never could, you know, I'll protect you until the day I die, mm-hmm. but that day is a lot sooner than either of them would have thought. And so that's, that's how he ends. It's a great parallel to, uh, the scene before where the man in black has a gun to his head because like he, Teddy sees what kind of uh a person or a monster i guess uh dolores has become like it's not the dolores that he you know loved uh, loop after loop i should say and man in black had a gun to his head when he realized what he's become i mean like it's it was just i found like a great transition from like the black hat to the white hat you know in those last two scenes that was just yeah another great parallel as you said and another uh really touching heartbreaking moment for teddy because just like, just like with the Dolores of old and with Maeve and the other hosts that we care about, Bernard, we want them to get to the end. We want them to escape. We want them to uh, escape this life that they've been living. And, and uh, Teddy is definitely one of the hosts that we've cared about since the beginning. And uh, he kept thinking, how is he going to get out of this? Dolores is reprogrammed or why it's reprogrammed and to be this terrible killer. And uh, it's not the Teddy we know and love. And I kept waiting to see how he escapes or how he turns on Dolores like I thought he might. And, and then at the end of the day, he ends up doing the only thing he can to end his involvement in all this, which is taking his own life. And uh, you know that at least in this form, he's not going to, this Teddy is not going to make it, but we still have to see what ends up happening with the forge, with the consciousnesses. Teddy is still stored somewhere, I'm sure. Um, and so I think maybe that will be, that will, in the end, we may see Teddy again and the Teddy we know and love. So I'm really hoping for a, you know, good old Teddy return. I hope so too. Not this season. It won't be this nope. season, I'm sure, but uh, we'll, we'll see where this takes us. But uh, that's it for this episode. The penultimate episode. Uh, this is the ninth episode of season two. The season finale is coming up this Sunday. Uh, I, I am so nervous and excited to see what happens. Yeah. I, uh, I've had a lot of fun so far, you know, doing this podcast and watching it week after week that, uh, I really, I really don't want it to end for however long, but, uh, but, uh, this is what, you know, we watch for is for that, for that finale, that big moment. And hopefully there's some, some kind of revelation that gets us talking for the next several months before, uh, we start talking about what's to come. If I know Jonah Nolan and, and Lisa Joy and, and this, the whole Westworld crew, I know they're going to leave us with something to talk about. So I'm not worried. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll get some, you know, redemption for some of these characters. Uh, my hopes are, uh, you know, I would like to see some sort of William redemption or at least William brought to justice, if nothing else. Uh, it would be nice to see a Dolores redemption. Can, can we get Dolores back in the end of Wyatt? Uh, and I want to see Maeve and Bernard make it out. You know, I, I of course, they're two of the ones that I really care about uh, more than anyone. And so uh, those are my hopes for the big finale. Yeah. I, uh, I'm ready for anything. I'll, uh, I'll be happy just to, just to be watching it. I don't, I don't have any, uh, 
specific things I want to see, but I just want to see it all come together and, and be entertaining. I'm sure it will be, but that's all we've got for this episode. Uh, thank you uh, again for, for supporting the show, for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Uh, make sure to, to contact us. Give us your fan theories, your questions. Uh, do you agree with what we talked about in this episode? We want to hear from you before that big season finale discussion next week. So you can email us at all the, I'm sorry, you can email us at theshowspoilers at gmail.com. You can tweet and follow us at all the spoilers on Twitter. Uh, and of course, uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash real spoilers. So uh, that's it for this episode. I'm Kevin Brackett. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. Brad, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter as well at Heineken, H-E-Y-E-N-I-K-I-N. All right. Well, everybody, brace yourself for the final episode, and we will talk to you next week. See you then. Bye. online.